welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. In this moment, Jesus is not talking about Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. I'm building my church on this rock, this revelation, which is a rock, which is a stone. How do you build a house that stands? On what? On solid rock, solid foundation. You build a house on sand, what happens? Storm comes, it washes it away. You build a house on a rock, well, guess what? The church, the revelation and the power of the church is this building, not physical building, but spiritual building that's built on a solid rock foundation. Who is the cornerstone? Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the first rock through which every other rock is then set in reference to. That's what a cornerstone is. The first stone set in place in order so that every other stone can be set in place to build a structure. Jesus is that cornerstone. Okay? He is talking about himself in this scripture. Upon this rock, this revelation that I am the son of the living God, I will what? I will build my what? I will build my church. I will build this spiritual infrastructure. Not talking about an institution. Not talking about an organization. Not talking about a physical building, but a people. I will build my people. It says, now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my what? And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you know who the church is? You. You. You know what makes the church strong? Is you plus you plus you plus all of you doing your part. You know what creates this revelation of all the powers of hell will not come against it or conquer it? Is when everybody you plus you plus you is doing their part together creating a solid infrastructure so that when the storms come, when hell gets raised in your life, it's solid. You by yourself is not enough. If you by yourself was enough, then even before sin ever entered the world, it would just be Adam and God. That's it. God said about his own creation, it's not good enough yet. I know it's perfect. I know it's perfect. I know I am perfect. I know sin hasn't even entered the world yet. But I looked at my son, Adam, and I said, it's not good enough for man to be alone. I'm going to create fellowship, right? We were created and designed for relationship. God is not enough. It's a deep revelation. You're like, how is that even true? God is absolutely not enough. If he was enough, God wouldn't have said about his own creation, it's not good enough for man to be alone. In other words, there is a part of you 
that cannot find fulfillment outside of horizontal relationship. We have our vertical relationship with God, then we have our horizontal relationship with people, humanity. The whole law can be summed up in these two, love God with all your heart and love people as yourself. Okay, so if, if, there, if God is not enough, which he's not, he said it about himself without saying it in the garden, you know you were created for a relationship. You were created for connection. You were created to be in fellowship. You were created to find your place in the context of what this is called the body of Christ. You have the global church, and then you have the local expression of the church. Yes, you are a part of the global body of Christ, but then you are also connected in a relationship in a local expression, which will always exist, by the way. So it says here, I will build my church, and this word for church, say it with me, is the word ek, say ek, klesia, ek klesia in the Greek. Jesus spoke of it 21 times, Jesus himself, spoken over 112 times total, but Jesus talked about it 21 times. 90% of those times, 95% of those times, it was in context to one specific thing, which we're going to be defining in just a few moments. I remember it was, seven, it was almost eight years ago now, almost eight years ago now that I flew for one day to Champaign, Illinois. And literally just I flew for one day. And I spent a whole day with a man who I highly esteem, who, what I, who what I, I would call a spiritual father, in my life, and I just sat there just to listen, ask questions, and learn. And uh, so I, I got there, and I, I remember, like, I spent a whole day with him, and we had an amazing time, ate together, laughed together. He poured into me. I just asked thousands of questions, learned a lot. This guy's an amazing, amazing um, spiritual leader in the United States, uh, has an amazing work. He's well-known. He's been around for some time. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of street credibility, a lot of credibility within the body of Christ at large, especially in the United States of America. And I remember there was one thing that stood out the most to me in my time. It hit me. It's like this one of those, those moments, those phrases that just hit me. And he said this to me, and I'll, I'm going to read it because this, this is how he said it. He said, Sean, you need to make sure that you have a real, this is what he said to me, a real revelation of the ecclesia. That was it. There was something about that statement that really rattled me. Because you could have a, an understanding of something, doesn't mean you have a revelation of it. You could have a concept, you can build a construct in your mind to define something awesome. You could have great information in your head. But to have a real revelation, you know what the word revelation means? It just means something that's been unveiled to you that wasn't previously veiled to you. When people say, I got a revelation, it's what, what they're saying, the, 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 the definition of that is that I see, I didn't see before, now I see. There was a veil, I had blinders on, and now I see it. Like, wow, how could I, never, how could, how could I have never seen it before? Now, I had already been in 
full-time vocational ministry and church for years at this point. But he said this statement, and it rattled me, and I, I wondered, I questioned myself, do I have a real revelation of the ecclesia? Some of you are still wondering what the word ecclesia is. Well, if you were listening to the opening verse, that word ecclesia is the word church, which is the first time that Jesus mentions it in the scripture, in the four gospels. I will build my ecclesia, I will build my church, the first time that it's ever mentioned. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail or conquer it. Very important, when you see something for the first time in scripture, theologically, it's called the law of first mention. And that law of first mention sets the tone and precedent for everything after it. It's like the cornerstone of revelation. It's the first stone set in place, so pay attention to it. It's really important. And there's something about the power of the church that Jesus is trying to relay to his people that he's getting ready to set up. He's tearing, excuse me, he's tearing down an old church and setting up a new one. The old one was a physical location, a physical place. Are you with me? Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. The new, the new church is you and I. The old church was made up with brick and mortar. It, there was an actual physical temple. It became the very epicenter over time that created all the problems that Jesus came to fix. Yes, it was connected to the livelihood of the Jewish people. But Jesus came to establish a new covenant, a better covenant. He came to establish a new covenant in you. The old covenant was held and connected and continued through the work of the physical temple. The new covenant, Jesus came as the temple, as embodying the temple to create a new temple, which is you and I. One temple was made out of physical stones. The new temple would be made now out of what the Bible calls, Peter says it, living stones. And you are considered living stones. And when you come together, you create the best kind of church possible. Did you hear that? When you come together, a stone by yourself is useless. But when you get with you, when you get with you, and you get with you, and you all come together, you create a wall, you create a structure, you create a, 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 a building, a spiritual building that houses the wisdom and power of God to do something powerful in a community, in a city, in a region, in a country. It's called the local expression of the body of Christ. So my prayer this morning, Holy Spirit, is that you would reveal to us the power of the ecclesia. The power of finding our place. The power of not just coming to church. Because how can you come to church when we are the church? I know it's language. I know it's partly semantics. But we come, when we come, we are the church. We make the church. If we don't come, there's no church. You tracking with me here? This is why we gather this is why we gather in small group settings. This is why we gather, you know, and, and, and we pray together. This is why we gather on a Sunday morning. There's something powerful that happens 
when unity happens because people choose to gather, you become the living stone, you become the brick, you become the brick that connects with the other brick that creates the infrastructure for God to do something special. The same way that God would show up in the Old Testament with physical bricks, the cloud, the God, God's glory cloud would show up. People couldn't stand. They couldn't handle the presence of God. It's the same way that when you come together, things begin to happen. When you come together in agreement, this is the power of the local church, you guys. Maybe it's your first time here. I'm, I'm hopefully going to help you a little bit to get a little bit more of an understanding of what the church is, why the church is, who the church is. This word, let me just define it really simply for you. The word ecclesia simply means called out one. Say it, called out one. I want you to hear that. If you are the church, you are a called out one. You are a called out one. You are called to do great things. You're called out so God can bring you into what he has for you. You're called out of something to come into something new. You're called to be that brick maybe that's been missing the whole time. There's a hole in the wall. Maybe you're that hole in the wall. Maybe you're that whole. Maybe you just show up at church, but you've never connected. You've never put your value in. Let me just tell you, the healthiest churches on the planet, the healthiest communities, is when everybody plays a part. doesn't matter how big or small it is, everybody plays a part. This is not even church. This is common sense. Any organization, any business, any scenario, any family, when everybody plays a part, it creates health in the family. Man, my dishwasher broke this this weekend. I feel like I'm in the dark ages again. It's like, who, who even washes dishes anymore? And like, I feel like I'm in the dark ages. Oh, sorry if you wash dishes, but I thank God for a dishwasher. But I, my dishwasher broke for like the third or fourth time in the last three years. And we're washing dishes. And yes, my wife and I were bonding, and it's great, and I'm drying, and she's washing. That's all good. It takes like 45 minutes when you have like a big family. But yesterday, Michelle was gone, and uh, I was washing the dishes with my daughter, she was drawing and I was washing. And I was just like, at first I was frustrated. I'm like, I'm washing the dishes. By, it's like, I, I just feel like it's such a waste of time. I know it sounds super bad, okay? Just, I'm telling you my process. You know, when, you, when you're used to having a dishwasher and you just realize now I'm spending 45 minutes not hanging out with my kids and I'm washing dishes, I just feel like that guilt set in. I'm like, stupid dishwasher. Never buy a KitchenAid dishwasher ever. Sorry, KitchenAid. I love your ovens, but your dishwasher is giving me too many problems. And it was just great. Just be, beware. Give it, give it a year. Okay? So, yeah, sorry. It's inevitable. It's like revelation. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. So, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm with my daughter, and that now we're bonding, and I'm like, wow, this is what happens when, this is the feeling, not only of connection that happens, when you share the load. When you're involved, like, there's nothing, there's... Families, communities, friendships are healthier when people play a role, when people carry weight, when people share the burden, when they join you in the dark ages again and wash dishes with you. There's something that happens. There's an exchange that happens that doesn't happen any other time. She could be sitting on the couch. I could be doing it by myself. And yeah, we're in the same room, but there's something that happens when we do it together. 
the healthiest families, the healthiest um, organizations, the healthiest businesses, the healthiest churches, in, in any scenario when people share the load and play a part. Maybe you're in a season when you feel like your only part is prayer. Awesome. Prayer is amazing. We need prayer. If that's your part, pray hard. Pray hard. Maybe your part is generosity. It's financial. Be generous. Maybe your part is, you know, meeting people for coffee every week to pour into them. Whatever your part is, if you have a part, which you do, play it well. Do it well. Own it. Because let me just tell you, this, the local expression of the church is the hope of the world. Why? Because Jesus is the hope of the world. If everyone in this room understood who they were and their identity and came out of the things that were just holding them back, you guys, the, the, your, everything that you touch would change. Your job, your workplace, everything you, you did would change. Everything. I remember I, I, was, I, I did an interview this week with the, the, the uh, VP or the executive director, VP of, of Charisma, of, of Charisma. And I, and I was in this interview, and it was through the phone. And uh, he asked me, he asked me this question. He said, what's supernatural leadership to you? Like, what makes it real? And I was thinking back to the beginning of my journey. In every workplace that I worked in after I had my encounter with Jesus that changed me, I remember over and over again, people would look at me and say, there's just something different about you. There's like this, they define it like this aura. I took that as a compliment, that like the prayer, all my time with God in friendship with Him was transforming the way people perceived me. And I think that if everybody walked, talked, and lived out who they really were always destined to be as the church, it would change everything. And not just inside the church. It's, it's supposed to overflow outside the church. I don't just do what I do inside here, you guys. I have no shame talking about anything I talk about in here, out there. And I've seen some incredible things in the grocery store, in the gas, like everywhere I've been, I've seen incredible things. It's got to translate over. It's got to be real. Here's the thing. When you are operating in who you are as the ecclesia, the called out one, in here, it will so transform you that out there things will just happen. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said to me, they said, you know, it's interesting because they've been listening to all these leadership podcasts and um, they're not necessarily, like, you know, they don't come to church. And they were saying that I've noticed that, like, the majority of the thought leaders that I listen to, the majority of these amazing leadership podcasts, like, the majority of all of them seem to come from the church. And I'm like, you know why? Because there's no place on the planet that you can grow your leadership like in a church context. No place. You can't grow it like you can in the church in the workplace. When you put money into play, when you put money into the mix, it changes the game of leadership. You couldn't use money as your leverage as a leader, hire and fire, you don't do your job, you're out. 
But when you're leading volunteers, when you're loving on people through their storms, you learn people differently than you do in the workplace. There's nothing, I'm telling you right now, on planet Earth that will transform your soul more than being involved with people's lives in the context of local church. Nothing. Money's not in the game. You just love them through their hard stuff, counsel them. I mean, I've done more, let me just tell you this, I've done more counseling in time than most counselors have done that went to school for it. And I didn't get paid for it. I've learned to read people prophetically. I, my gifts have grown as a result of being in this environment when nobody owes me anything. You learn leadership different when you have to lead out of vision, lead out of passion. Not because you're getting a paycheck for it, but because you're called to love people. You're called out of one scenario of life and into a new one to love people into their destiny, into their purpose, into their calling. I can't tell you how many times I've seen marriages transform because they got connected. You guys, marriage 101, do whatever you can together. Here's the reality. Most marriages, okay, the only thing that they can actively contribute together in is church life. Why? Because they have two separate jobs. Unless you work together, nine, let's say nine to five, or some, of people, some people work night shifts, you don't even see each other. So the only thing you can do together is a hobby. I'm speaking of couples right now. But the one thing that you can do to contribute together where you learn each other differently is be connected into community. We're not because you have to, but because you get to. You will grow a part of your relationship that does not yet exist when you do spiritual life together in contribution with other couples, other people. Now for the singles out there, the bachelorettes and the bachelors, the same thing. You might find, your spouse might be sitting next to you. Look over at, at them and say, maybe you're a prospect. <coughs> now that's awkward. But I like awkward moments. Lightens the load a little bit in the room. Here's the thing. You might find your new best friend. You might find your new job. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people get the job of their dreams because they were connected. I can't tell you how many businesses have been started because people were connected. I can't tell you how many times there are people that don't even go to church today that talk about their business. I, sometimes I just feel like, you know, you know, jumping in and say, remember where you met those people, bro. Remember where you met your wife. Remember where you developed that skill. Where did you learn it? You learned it in the church. How do I know? Because I was a part of it, helping you do it. Remember where it came from. Remember the origin story. So many actors and actresses today, singers, songwriters, where do they learn what they do? They learned it in the church because there was a platform to learn it. Why am I saying all this? Because this is the power of the ecclesia. It's not just about helping your neighbor get stronger. It's about developing you into the person you were always created to be in the context of spiritual community. So if you're wondering, why do I go to church? Remember, yeah, you could change your language. You don't go to the church. You are the church, but you only are the church when you are contributing in value to help others also be valuable. 
A few people are clapping and getting it. A few people. <clears throat> Everyone say Septuagint. Say it again. Say it five times fast. Septuagint. This is what we call the Greek Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The what we have was written in Hebrew. New was written in Greek. Septuagint is actually written, was the Old Testament written in Greek for Greek-speaking people. And if you look at the word ekklesia, which is found over 70 times in the Septuagint, you see the definition starting in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Talking about how there was an assembly of people gathered together to hear the words of Moses, which were the words of God, which was the law. People would gather as an assembly, as an ecclesia, as called out ones together to hear the law, to hear what God had to say. They gathered in an assembly place as an assembly. But now the new ecclesia is we gather to hear not necessarily the law of God, but the law of the spirit of life. There was the law of sin and death, which people assembled together to hear from some people like Moses in the wilderness. There was an assembly called out ones, an assembly of people, the nation of Israel. And now we, as the people of God, gather together to hear the law and the spirit of life. There's a moth in here. <laughs> Are you hearing this? Ecclesia is found all throughout the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament, and it still means the same thing. To the Jewish people and the Greek-speaking people, literally, it was something that would take place, it was something that would take place either sacred or for rendering of decisions or the transaction of business. I think that it still happens today when we gather Decisions are made in your life. Things are transacting constantly. There's spiritual business being transacted every time you come. Jesus said in Luke 2, I'm about my father's business. He had an agenda. God has an agenda to gather you together, to grow you, to mature you, to strengthen you, to see you find your value by contributing your value. You with me here? It still happens the same way. I could break this down even more. I could go into this. I, man, I have like tons and tons of notes here. But I want you to not leave with a bunch of scriptures that you will not remember. I want you to leave with the heart behind why the ecclesia is so valuable and so important. The temple... The temple in Jesus' time was the central symbol of the Jewish life. But it also became everything that oppressed the common people. And that's why Jesus, as the new covenant, the better covenant, literally said these words, I will tear this thing down and rebuild it in three days. Speaking of his death and his resurrection, that I am the new prototype, that I am the new cornerstone for this thing that I'm building, which Peter later on reflects and says that we are now living stones. 
and we are a holy priesthood making up in a spiritual infrastructure that is called to shift and change regions, cities, communities, and even nations. Like I said in Matthew 16, verse 18, it's the first time the ecclesia is mentioned. And Christ actually mentions it, mentions it 21 other times. 21 other times. If you study it, if you study it, I know it will change the way you look at why we gather. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, I referenced this, says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So is it physical anymore? No, it's spiritual. You are that living stone. And listen, you're, you're right now you may have some rough edges on your stone. Right now you may not fit easily with your neighbor yet. It still fits, but there may be some gaps. Stick around long enough and those rough edges will be smoothed over. You'll find your place. You'll find that perfect fit. You'll find that perfect place. This brings us into a, this, this whole conversation of what is a Christian. Why do you attend the church? Why well, I'm a Christian. You know what the word Christian is? The church of Antioch in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, I believe it is, or Acts chapter 11. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church. They assembled as the called out ones with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians uh, in Antioch. This was not a term that was used in this time frame. They just, what they saw was all these people doing exactly what Jesus did when he was on the earth, walking. Jesus is already dead and gone at this point. This church body started to notice all these people walking around doing what Jesus did. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, loving the poor, loving the orphan, preaching this message of hope. They noticed this, and so they called them little Christs. The word Christian means like Christ, anointed little ones. That's what it means. All these anointed, anointed little ones that are anointed for a task to do something specific are doing exactly what Jesus did, so we call them Christians. Calling yourself a Christian because you come to church is like calling yourself a car because you're standing in a garage. What makes a Christian a Christian, and this is the thing, you guys, this, has got a, this word has got a lot of bad rap. People don't even want to use that term anymore. But the real, the real definition is that I just do what Jesus did, like he did it. I love like he did. I fight like he did. I pray like he did. I believe like he did. I walk like he did. Little Christ. It's important we understand that because when we get this revelation, this truth, we see church as a whole different thing. We live our life like him during the week, come together, gather to celebrate how awesome he is. What he did during the week. If you're only coming to church to get your fix because you didn't talk to him all week, you, you're living in a dangerous place. 
You can do that for a period of time, and it will be okay for you. But there comes a time, if you don't start giving back and contributing, you'll die. Because you were created to be a giver. You were created in the image of God, and God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave. He is a giver. So if you don't live out that same representation, or you don't represent him, over time you're going to die. What is in you right now that's good will become like a swamp. Swamps don't move. Swamps don't cycle in and out. They just stay. And they're dirty. No one wants to be around swamps. You're going to swim in a swamp. You, you follow what I'm saying? But John 7, Jesus said, if you believe in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Waters that that's, are always moving. Listen, guys, when you start to give out of who you are, becoming the ecclesia, you are living that light that Jesus talked about. If you believe in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of life, rivers of living water. It won't be swampy. It will be life-giving. I hope you're getting a hold of this this morning. I'm skipping through quite a bit. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. Paul's writing out of prison. And he says this. He says he makes the whole body. After Paul describes what leadership looks like in the, in the church, in the ecclesia, he says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, this is the promise, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This, here's the, you, know what, you know what rattles me to the core? Often the people that complain about the church the most are the ones that are never involved. They complain about what the church is not doing. I don't know, but my Bible actually says when you do your special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy. Healthy. When the body's not healthy and people say, well, look at the, the church, they don't do this. Well, maybe you're making it unhealthy by not bringing your piece of health to the pie. No one's clapping on that one. I'm just saying that it seems as though a lot of the time that people are complaining about what the church is not are co is coming from people that either have never been involved in church, never given their time, never invested anything into it. And so it's easy to sit on the sidelines at a baseball game and watch the pitcher have a bad day and say, wow, they don't know what they're doing. Well, why don't you get onto the field and teach the pitcher how to pitch the ball even though you've never pitched in your life. You must know how to do it better than they do and once you do that then you can talk but until then you got nothing maybe just maybe what you've seen as unhealthy is a result of you not bringing your health to the piece of the pie I wonder not saying it but I'm saying it I wonder truthfully It's got quiet in here. What happened? He makes the whole body fit together. I love this. I could just meditate on this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. You contribute 
to other people's growth. Isn't that an amazing promise? When you own your part, your part may not be my part. My part may not be your part. But when we all play our part, it's not about, you guys, it's not about equality of what we do, that we all do the same thing. It's about equality in the sense we all have something to bring. So imagine, you guys, you have these amazing things inside of you, and you're not bringing it. What's happening to it? I'll tell you what's happening to it. Slowly but surely, what you had is dying inside of you. Did you hear that? If you're not bringing something to the, the table, something inside of you is dying and needs to be revived. Maybe you've not brought it to the table because you were hurt with it in the past. Let me just make a promise to you. You will be hurt with it forever. It's how you respond to the hurt. Your muscle grows when you hurt it. But it's the recovery process of how you treat the muscle when you hurt it that actually grows it. You could go to the gym, hurt your muscle, tear it, never go back again because you hurt it. That's like a lot of people in the church that have been hurt by the church. But remember, the church is not an institution. It's a people, and people will always hurt you just as you will always hurt people. But your response is everything. How you respond to the hurt determines your growth. How you respond to the agitation determines what kind of pearl you become. How you respond to the frustration determines what kind of leader you become, what kind of person you become in your character. How you respond to life situations, you guys, whether it's in business, whether it's in some sort of nonprofit sector of society, whether it's on your street in everyday life or in the church, let me tell you, people are everywhere and people are messed up and people will hurt you, they'll damage you, they'll betray you, but that should not have any effect on you living out who you are called to be in value because you don't get your value or praise from people but from Him. You're called to live for an audience of one. So if you're not doing something because of what somebody else has done to you, what you said to them and to God is that, God, you're not God. These people are in my life because they're stopping me from being who I'm called to be because of fear, because of hurt and pain and rejection. That's never been the plan of God for you. God does not want you to live your life for people first, but for Him. So if you're waiting for the praise of people, or you're living by the praise of people, guess what will happen? You will die by their, dis you'll die by their praise. I hope this helps right now shape in your mind the value of the ecclesia. That the gates of hell will not prevail against it when you find your confidence in God and decide to make a difference and play a role and bring value to the table. It's not only going to grow you, it's going to grow others around you. That's a promise. So this is my prayer for you. In Acts chapter 4 verse 33. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. My prayer for you in this season is that you would find a great grace in this next season to be who you were always created to be. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're new with us. 
it's your first time in church, we welcome you. And our prayer is that you would leave with an experience of God today in your life. Transformation at some level. But maybe you've been with us for some time now and you're just disconnected. You're just in the tender. My encouragement to you today is to give people a chance again to get connected, to find your place, to, to bring your piece of the puzzle so that other pieces of the puzzle look more beautiful. As you bring yours, it helps others bring theirs.